is off. This is my bride. <laughs> it's great to be here. And um, so it is awesome that I have been saved since I was eight. I used to say, after he would give his testimony when I was first married to him, I'd say, wow, sure wish I had a testimony like that. He said, I would give anything to have a testimony that I've always walked with God. I will be 70 this October, so I've been walking with God a long time. And so people say, what, what is it that you can say that God is speaking to you today? Here's what God's speaking to me today. The longer I walk with him, the more I see I do not know of him. And I am eager to learn every day of what he has for me, all the treasures that he has. I like to share a little something before he speaks so people can kind of, that don't know me, can kind of touch my spirit. But um, we have our pastor that we had for a lot of years. He's good friends with Jim Cimbala with um, the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. Anybody heard of him? Okay. Well, Ken, whenever him and his wife go to New York, which is often because she was with the airline, she gets to fly free, he would uh, go and visit. They would go and visit Jim. So you have to walk through the sanctuary, and his office is in the back. And so he walked in one of the times that he walked in, and he came back to share with us. He said, when I walked in, it was just such an amazing feeling inside of the building, and I couldn't place what it was. And so when I got into Jim's office, I said, what is that when I walked in the building? Now, I know that the Holy Spirit doesn't live in a building. It lives in us. What is it that I felt? He said, when you become a member of the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, you have a covenant that you have to read, believe, and sign. And this covenant says you will never speak negative about any of your brothers and sisters that are in this choir ever. They keep it. He said, what you feel is a clean, clear atmosphere when you walk in the church. And I thought, wow, that's great. And, you know, I think God works on all of us in different areas about that. And he's getting better. We're getting better listening to him. But I heard a pastor, a preacher speaking, and he said something that I really liked. He said, we as God's people need to learn to talk good about each other behind their backs. And here's my example of that. After Bill preaches, somebody could come up to him and say, wow, that message really spoke to me. Thank you from hearing, from hearing for God because I was changed today. And of course, Bill is receptive, and when he leaves, he always gives everything. It's like, you know, taking out the handkerchief of your pocket, Lord, what that brother said, you know, all this, thank you for letting me share it for a moment, but all glory is yours. And he said, how much better when people talk about you behind your back? And what I thought about that, if somebody next year, next month, 10 years from now, comes up to you and says, wow, that Bill Davis, he's, the Lord used him to changed my life 10 years ago. I'm a different person. I'm serving God. How much better when someone comes to you and says, wow, you should have heard those people talking about you and how God used you in their life. 
That's what we need to do. We need to talk good about each other behind their back. And that's just what God's working on in me. So just thought I'd share that. On. Morning. Back in Grand Forks, I had somebody ask me yesterday in Florida, where's Grand Forks? I said, well, if you go real far north to Canada and look south, there it is. Good to be here this morning. I've got something I believe the Lord has spoken to me. I've been sharing this some this summer and uh, seeing God do some great things with it and and uh, the title of it's on courage. But I want to say something before I begin. One of my mentors, um, I don't know if your pastor knows this brother or not, but pastored four square churches all over uh, Iowa. Uh, his name was Ernest Grimm. Ernest Grimm um, was 23 years old. When somebody came to him one day and they, he said, you know, this Amy Simple McPherson person's coming to town, to the arena in Des Moines. And uh, you ought to go because you're sick. And he told me, he said, you know, I was extremely sick. He said, my liver was failing. He said, they gave me a week to live. He said, I was so weak, I could hardly get to the arena. But my sister took me to the arena. And he said, I sat way in the back because I didn't want to get too near this woman. (laughs) Come on, guys. Let's get down right and dirty and get honest. But I didn't want to get too near this woman. And he said, so I sat way in the back. And he said, uh, she started to preach on healing. And he said, I'd never heard preaching before. He said, I wasn't raised in the church. He said, but when she said Jesus can heal you and wants to heal you, and she said, reach out and take a hold of it, he said, I reached out and I took a hold of it, and I was instantly healed. Nobody laid hands on him. Nobody cast any demons out of him. I love zeal. Are are you breathing? Nobody did anything. Jesus did it. All was spoken was the word of truth. Reach out. I mean, you know, that's all God's looking for from us is to reach out. Most of us are waiting for somebody to reach into us. They are. We're waiting for somebody to say something kind and nice to us, and that's what I'm going to speak on this morning. But what needs to happen is we need for our hearts to open for Jesus to reach into our lives. And when he touches you, you'll never be the same. You'll never be the same. You say, well, I have this certain need. I have this, 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 and this. Great. Let him reach in and touch you. Just one touch from the king changes everything. But what it takes on our part is to bow before the king and say, I need it. I told the people at Douglas House this week, I spoke twice there, 
and uh, I spoke at the Crookston Jail too, and this is kind of funny. But I, I said the same thing in each place. I said, you know, uh, the greatest prayer ever prayed. How many of you like to hear that great prayer? Would you? Isn't it exciting to hear the greatest prayer ever prayed? I, I asked the question, what's the greatest prayer ever prayed? And, of course, they were saying, oh, the Lord's Prayer. That was the best prayer ever. No, it wasn't. Greatest prayer you or I could ever pray is this. Help! Come on. It's so funny in the jail, the guards came running when I did that. They thought I was in trouble. <laughs> and I was in with the women when that happened. <laughs> it was really funny. And all the women prisoners go, we didn't do anything, we didn't do anything. I said, no, I'm fine, guys. I was just teaching them how to pray. Why is that the greatest prayer ever pray? I think if you heard that prophetic word this morning, you might have heard it within that prophetic word. But it's your approach to God. What is your approach to God? Is your approach to God demanding, commanding, declaring what you own? Or is it broken and humble and bowing before his feet and saying, help? You see, that prayer is rooted in humility. It's rooted in need, but it's rooted in humility. It's going after the one that can meet your need. Let, let me say to you, uh, I have never had good resort, results praying in my name. <laughs> never, not once. In the name of Bill, be healed. No, don't work. Just doesn't work, okay? Now, I, I love the introduction and the reading from our website and that was good, but before I begin this message, I want to tell you, I was speaking in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, to a very large black church. And there were like five white people in the church, and I was one of them. And uh, I, I thought, God, they're so used to Pentecostal preaching. What good am I going to do? And then the guy that invited me, Charles Green, to speak there. There were 3,000 people there, okay? And he introduced me as Prophet Bill Davis. Now, now let me say, that's not unusual in a black church, okay? T.D. Jake says you can throw a rock in his church and hit 11 bishops. It's a true story, too. But, but um, I had given this guy some prophetic ministry, prophetic words, when I was probably 10 years before I was invited to speak there. And it had all come to pass. It had all happened. So he, in his natural thinking, was Bill's prophet. And uh, so when he introduced me as prophet Bill Davis, now, now I want you to look up here at me, just for a second. Don't go to sleep yet. I went to the pulpit like this. That's right. Prophet Bill. That's me. And then I got to preaching, and I forgot all about Prophet Bill. Okay? I really did. I got speaking, and 
that went over my head. And, but the attitude and the heart was there that I demonstrated walking to the pulpit in my own soul. Prophet Bill, you know, that sounds got a ring to it. And So the next morning, Darlene and I, she was in Florida, I was in Milwaukee, and we were doing our Bible study together. And we were studying from the book of Galatians. Okay, and, and we were having a great time studying Galatians. But I hear the Lord speak to me as I open my Bible. He said, first, turn to John 10.3. And I turned to John 10.3, and it says this, uh, part B. It says, I know my sheep, and I call them by name. Isn't that powerful? I know my sheep, and I call them by name. And, and I'm kind of slow. I, I went, what? What are you saying? And this is what he said to me. He says, I, have I ever called you Prophet Bill? <laughs> I went, no, sir. He said, what do I call you? I said, well, just Bill. <laughs> he said, that's right. You're just Bill. Don't get the big head. You don't need a title to be functional. And see, a lot of the church is looking for somebody to give them a title. I want to be an elder. I want to be a pastor. I want to be an apostle. Well, first, you've got to marry a really pretty epistle. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> just Bill. I love the introduction, and that's great. But I'm just Bill. Now, two weeks later, I was speaking at a teen challenge in Minneapolis. It's the largest teen challenge outside of New York City. It's probably the most active and effective teen challenge I've ever been to. And I speak in teen challenges all over the world. And... The pastor, Rick, the leader of the Teen Challenge there, said, Bill, how do I introduce you? I said, just Bill. Just, I just came out of that, okay? <laughs> just Bill. So I walk in, and they have this huge screen up like this, probably five times larger than that. And it said, welcome, just Bill. <laughs> and I got through speaking, and one of the... Uh, students in the school there came up to me, had tears running down his cheeks, and he said, Bill, God spoke to me about you this morning. I said, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. How many of you know when somebody comes up and says, God showed me something? Yeah. But he came up to me and he said, I believe that's powerful, just Bill. I said, what do you mean? He said, God spoke to me and he said, Bill has been made just by my grace and my mercy and my love. So if you're introduced as just Carrie or just Terry, take it to the bank, guys. You've been made justified. Okay? All right, I want to speak on courage this morning. I think something we are lacking in the church today is courage. You say, what do you mean by courage? I'll talk to you about that in a minute. But turn with me to 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. And, and how many of you love God's economy? Do you love God's economy? 
God can take one verse of Scripture and put five points in it and point us in the way of His plan. And that's what He does. Uh, I'll give you an example. Romans 14, 17. In that verse, it tells you what the kingdom of God isn't and what the kingdom of God is in one verse. Say, so what does it say? The kingdom of God is not meat nor drink. This is not what it's all about, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And that word righteousness literally translates right relationship. All in one small verse, guys. And people have searched for years for the kingdom of God. And there it is right there. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. But this verse says this, be on guard. Everybody say, be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. And do everything with love. One of the most instructive verses you'll ever find in Scripture. There's five things. Be on guard. What's that mean? I would translate that, have situational awareness. Be aware of your circumstances. Be aware of where you are in Christ. Be aware of what you are in Christ. And in that awareness, be on guard for anything that wants to take you out. Are, are, are you aware that we have an enemy? Have you been made aware of this yet? Be on guard for, yes, the enemy. But I would say, be on guard for the Lord. Not on guard this way, but on guard this way. God, what, what do you want out of me today? Have you ever woke up and just said, here I am, God, I'm yours. Whatever you want of me today. Anybody you want me to uh, touch, I'm, I'm open. Okay, I, I can't say that's always been my forte. But I'm getting better at it. I'm getting better at saying, God, use me. I fly on a lot of airplanes. A lot of airplanes. I have two and a half million miles with Northwest Airlines. More than some pilots. Okay, And when I get on an airplane, my first thought is, God, I'm tired. Don't use me. <laughs> my second thought is, I repent, God. Use me however you want to. And he takes me up on it. I, I was sitting next to a banker one time on the airplane. And I was just, I was so tired. And I was sitting there, and, and he was not yakky, but he was conversational. Okay? And he said, uh, where are you going? I said, well, the same city you're going to. <laughs> he said, I didn't mean that. He said, what are you doing when you get there? I said, well, I'm going up to speak at a uh, conference. Oh, you're a, you're a speaker. And I said, yeah. Uh, my wife and I do missions work. We do conferences for marriages. We, all kinds of stuff. He said, well, that's interesting. What did you do before you were a speaker. I said to I said to him, "Well, I was in banking." <laughs> he said, "Well, that's interesting. I'm a banker. What did you do in the banking industry?" I said, "Forced withdrawals." <laughs> he sat there for a minute. And went, 
forced withdrawal. Forced with no. I said, yeah. Yeah, I was a bank robber. And he goes, oh, wow, tell me your story. And before we landed in Minneapolis, he had given his life to Christ. Forced withdrawals. Okay. Be on guard. Not only be on guard for your enemy. You see, here's the problem. God does not want us constantly focusing on the enemy of our soul. Just be aware. My Bible says be aware of the wiles of the enemy. Just be aware. Don't concentrate on it. Don't make that your every thought. I have a dear friend named Derek Prince. He's passed away. But somebody came up to him. He was a demon chaser. I don't know if you knew that about him or not, but he taught on how to cast out devils. He was great at it. In fact, he, he was the one that taught me, don't sweat the small stuff. When the enemy comes in, you just cast him out. Do you know how easy it is? All you need is the name of Jesus, the blood of the Lamb. Come on. It was given for you. But anyway, somebody asked Derek, I, I hear you believe there's a demon behind every bush. He said, no, I do not believe that. He said, I believe there are two demons behind every bush. <laughs> but what difference does that make, he said. He said, you have power and authority over the realm of darkness. And yes, he's tricky. Yes, he's slick. But he's not as oily as God. God's anointed. That's oiliness, guys. Okay? God bless you. It's been good being here this morning. Did y'all get this? You live in an anointed realm. You have the anointing dwelling in you and coming on you. I love that. Be on guard. Be aware. Situational awareness. Okay? Stand firm in the faith. I loved it when they were talking about get your feet on the rock. Houses built on the sand, what's going to happen? Why? The winds are going to come. The rain's going to blow. Hurricane strength, by the way. And the house can't stand on the sand. But a house built on the rock, same winds, same storm, same hurricane strength, no damage. Isn't that good? Stand firm, it says. Don't let the winds of doctrine or change move you off of your stance. You see, here's, here's an issue today in the church. Nobody takes a stance. Well, we'll lose our 501c3. So what's that? Sign language. Big, hairy deal. I think the church could stand to lose the 501c3. Because we've let it bind us from speaking truth in love. And we don't even speak love. It's time we take our stand. Why do you think we have 65 million babies murdered in this country? Because nobody took a stand. 
because of fear of losing their 501c3. I have one. Don't, don't get me wrong. I have a 501c3. But there are times when I wish I didn't. But you know what? I've come to the conclusion big hairy deal of a 501c3. You say, yeah, but it gives people a tax deduction. Come on, guys. Big deal. Yes, but I save money. Way, way big hairy deal. Why? Well, so I can have money in the bank. What if Jesus wanted you to give it all away? Oh, he'd never do that. Yes, he would. (laughs) You don't know the same God I do. Or you haven't read scripture where the rich young ruler came to him. What what should I do to be saved? And he said, give it all away. Whoa, whoa, back up the give away thing. Give it all away. And he turned around disappointed because he wanted it to be something else. And and relax, I'm not going to take an offering. Okay. Stand firm. Be courageous. Everybody say, be courageous. courageous. That's where I'm going to concentrate in a minute. I won't go on that now, but be strong. How many of you know God wants you to be strong? Have you you seen that that meme where it says the the kittens are going into the prayer room and the lions come out? Isn't that great? I love that. But let me say something to you. Make sure your lion is not of your own strength. Make sure the scripture is fulfilled. It says, be strong in the Lord, Ephesians, and in the power of his might. Don't let it be your ability. Don't let it be your strength. Let it be him working in you. Amen? All right. I want to go back to this one. So there's five points in there, guys. Go look at that. Uh, But I want to concentrate on the third one. Be courageous. Be courageous. I had uh, open heart surgery in 2008. I I went out to Wichita, Kansas to a friend of mine, uh, and he had set me up with a doctor, Dr. Reeser, in uh, Wichita at the Kansas Heart Institute. And I went there for a stress test. All of us get stress tests once in a while. If you're over 50, you should be getting a stress test. And, and at that point, I was 60-something. Hmm, 61. I was 61. Anyway, I got up on the treadmill, and I took two steps, passed out. Gone. I don't remember hitting my head or falling on the ground. The guy actually caught me and laid me on the ground. But I hit my head on the handles. (laughs) But anyway, next thing I knew, I came awake in the office of the doctor in a wheelchair. He said, okay, we're admitting you. I said, what? He said, not a good sign when you pass out on the treadmill. He said, we're going to do a catheter. We're going to check your heart, see why you passed out. Well, I had triple blockage in my heart. So I had to have a triple bypass. Do you know what bypass means? Bypass means they put you on a bypass machine. 
what keeps your heart going and your blood pumping and your brain working while they have your heart sometimes out of your chest working on it. So the bypass machine pumps your blood. That's why it's called bypass. Okay? So I found out I had to have this triple bypass. They were bringing me out of surgery, successful surgery, okay? I'm rolling down, and I'm not awake, okay? Darlene told me about this, and then the doctor told me about it. But I, they're rolling me down the aisle to go back to, to my room when all of a sudden they checked my blood pressure. They do this the whole way back, and my blood pressure dropped to 60 over 40. Now, I'm not trying to give you my medical issues, guys. I'm trying to get to something. And they told Darlene, we got to take him right back in. They had to crack me back open again, okay, my chest. And um, they'd already sewn me back up and stapled me and all that stuff. But the doctor came in the room and told me something very powerful. He said, I had to, we had to fix that bleeder. It was a bleeder in your, your heart. And so we had to go in and fix that bleeder. But we decided not to put you back on the bypass machine because it was only going to take a little bit of time to do this. So I couraged your heart. I said, you did what? <laughs> I couraged your heart. I said, how do you spell that? C-O-U-R-A-G-E. Courage. Huh. Be courageous. He said it's a medical term taken from a French word. And the translation of it is put the heart back. Put the heart back. Courage. To encourage one another is to... Yeah, you massage my heart. I thought I said that. You're not listening. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> She's heard this enough, believe me. I, he, this is what he was doing. He massaged my heart. He couraged my heart to keep it working. Okay? And my Bible says encourage one another day by day as long as it's called today. Why do we have to do that? Because we live in a world. Come on. We work in a world. We play in a world. But we're out there. You can't hide out here. Are you, are you with me now? You need courage. You need courage to get out there. You need courage to get out there and do what you do. How much more do we need each other to build our lives up and encourage us? And say to us, you're going to make it. Because the world's out there telling you, you aren't going to make it. The world's out there telling you, you're a failure. You're a mess. How can you survive the way you are? And the voice is in your head. Come on. You, oh, I don't have voices in my head. Liar. You're lying right there. Of course you do. You've got voices at you all the time. 
Which ones are you going to believe? Whose report are you going to believe? I choose to believe the report of the Lord. And I found out, after the doctor said that, that the New Testament uses the word courage in the New Testament, and it came from the French language because they didn't have a word in Greek that would fit courage. So they, King James conscripted the word courage. Put the heart back. You see, everything that can come to tear our hearts out of us is there. Relationships. Finances. Are you with me? All right, I'm going to close with a story. I don't want you to get really excited because I close five times. Okay. But, but I, I had a guy in our church. We were part of a church, Darlene talked about this, for 30 years. And we left that church to start a new church plant. But um, we had a guy, I was scheduled to sing one Sunday morning, Okay. And um, I was going to sing As a Deer Pants for the Waters. Anybody know that song? As a deer panteth for the waters. And it's in King James. Thou. Anyway, that was funny, guys. In Minnesota, I have to explain my jokes. But anyway. So I'm talking to the pastor, okay? And I'm scheduled to sing... But I didn't know when. And I said to the pastor, when do you want me to teach this song? And he said, after the offering. I said, okay, just call me up. So I turned to walk into the sanctuary. Actually, it was a high school. Turned to walk into the high school, Jefferson High School. And I turned around and I see walking up the sidewalk is this guy that was part of the church and his name was Les. And... I did not like less. All right? I'm revealing my character to you. I didn't like him. I didn't like anything about him. I didn't like the way he walked. I didn't like the way he talked. I, I didn't like the way he breathed. Are you with me? You ever had anybody in church that just irritate the snot right out of you? Yeah. It's usually the pastor, but what the heck. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, hey! But anyway... Uh, I hurried up to get into the church so I wouldn't have to say good morning to him. That's how much I didn't like this guy. And uh, the Lord stopped me cold about two steps into the sanctuary, and he said, not this morning. And uh, again, I'm kind of slow at times. I went, what, Lord? He said, I want you to turn around, and I want you to go over to Les. By the way, I thought he fit his name very well. (laughs) I went over to him, and he said, I want you to go to him. I want you to say these words. You're going to make it. I said, Lord, you tell him he's going to make it. He said, I am. I am, through you. I said, but Lord, I don't like him. You know what he said? That's okay. He doesn't like you either. You know I was hurt? Come on, guys. 
But I knew God's voice well enough to know I need to obey what he said. So I took my first step towards less and immediately felt all of his addictions. I knew immediately he was addicted to a prescription drug for psychosis. I knew immediately. God spoke to me the name of it. Then I understood what it was that graded me about him because I used to use drugs pre-Jesus. And I would get around somebody that was addicted to drugs and I would grate. And that's what would happen when I'd get around him. I'd just cringe. And, and my second step towards him, I felt God's heart for him. <laughs> By the third step I got to him, I was weeping. And, and I, I kind of said, oh, you're going to make it. <laughs> Serious. And he looked at me and said, what? It's just a minute. Hold it. I composed myself and I said, Les, you're going to make it. And all the color drained out of his face. He started to weep and I, I thought, what did I do to this guy? And he said, did you talk to my wife this morning? And I said, I wanted to say, it's not my habit to talk to your wife on Sunday mornings. I can barely speak to you. But I didn't. I said, no, I didn't talk to your wife this morning. He said, my wife and I sat at breakfast this morning and decided to separate and file for divorce. But we prayed one last time. God, if you want us to make it, send somebody to tell us you're going to make it. He said, you're the farthest person I would have ever dreamed of. I said, I, he said, I don't even like you. I said, yeah, I know. He said, he said, I said, you're addicted to this drug too, aren't you? And he went, oh my gosh, how'd you know that? I said, well, God spoke to me and, and I'm willing to help you get off of it if your doctor approves. He said, my doctor's been trying to get me off of it for five years. That's part of the problem is I can't function as a man. He said, would you counsel me? And I said, I'll work with you to get you off of this. And for three days, I walked him through cold turkey with the doctor's permission. Don't just grab somebody and say, come with me. No, I had the doctor's permission. Bless and his wife reconciled. God healed their marriage. And they became the directors of Couples United in Christ in Tampa, Florida. Come on, guys. <laughs> Encourage one another day by day as long as it's called today. Let, let me say something to you here in this congregation. This house should be packed out. Did you hear me? You say, Bill, why do you say that? I'm not saying that on the basis of the strength of Terry and his wife. I'm not saying that on the basis of anything other than the presence of God. God's presence is in this house. When our brother strummed the first chord on his guitar, I knew I was in the presence of Almighty God. You ever been to a church when they strum the guitar, you wanted to get out and leave? It was entertainment. 
had nothing to do with the presence of God. Maybe aesthetically perfect, but not anointed. Brother, I would hold you up to any worship leader I've ever met in my life. You be encouraged because you are a gifted young man. And your wife's probably ten times talented. Encourage one another. Les came to me two years after this. And he said, Bill, I'm having a real struggle. And I said, what is it? He said, you know, I work for my dad in a um, restaurant equipment company. And he said, my, my family's very wealthy. And he said, and I make a lot of money. He said, but I hate my job. And I said, well, Les, what do you want to do? He said, really? I said, yeah. He said, I want a landscaping company. I love working with my hands and plants and flowers and grass. I said, well, why don't you do that? And he said, oh, my dad will be so upset if I quit. And I said, have you ever talked to him about it? No. I said, maybe that's part of your problem. You're scared of your dad. He said, I am. I didn't say, I'll go with you. I said, suck it up, buttercup, and go to your father and tell him your heart. Darlene can tell you. That's exactly what I said to him. He went to his dad the next day, and he said, Dad, I got something to tell you. He said, I know what you're going to tell me. You hate your job. Dad, I've hated it for years. He said, then why are you still here? He said, what do you want to do? He said, I want my own landscaping company. He said, good. And he wrote him out a check for $50,000. And he said, start your landscaping company. And he started his landscaping company, and it was called More With Less. (laughs) Come on. Clever, isn't it? And his first client was George Steinbrenner. And he had 30 properties in Tampa. And he got the contract for all 30 properties. Come on, guys. Be encouraging. Sometimes you just need to say, suck it up, buttercup. Get your act together. Come on, there's something for you. You're going to make it. Encourage one another day by day as long as it's called today. Is it today yet? It's not tomorrow yet, is it? It's today, isn't it? You got somebody sitting in this room, listen to me, that may need to hear you're going to make it. They may need to hear your health is not going to destroy you. Has your worry added anything to you? Be anxious for nothing. Come on. So you mean you're not anxious for anything? I'm trying. When I look out on congregations and see faces sometimes looking back at me like this, 
I'll tell you, that can make you anxious. I'm about done, guys. I'm closing. Four more times. No, I'm going to close. But I want to share one last scripture with you. Can I do that? Okay. Um, I'm going to give you these scriptures. Write them down. Hebrews 23 through 25. He said, let us encourage one another, not neglecting each other. You know how easy it is to fellowship the back of someone's head and not feel any responsibility? It's easy. And they're great heads. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. (laughs) But encourage one another, especially now. Go read it. (laughs) 1 Thessalonians 5.11, So encourage each other and build each other up just as you should be doing. Closing scripture. Proverbs 11, verse 25. Now listen, I know we're about to take an offering for Darlene and I. But I'm not quoting this for that reason. I'm quoting this for the encouragement that you can become. The generous will prosper. New Living Translation. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Those who refresh others. Turn to the person next to you and say to them, be refreshed. Be refreshed. Terry, I've got some ministry I'd like to do, but could you come and do the offering, and then we'll do what I feel the Holy Spirit's showing me? All right? Listen, walk out of here today knowing that you heard the Bible, the truth, okay? What am I doing? Oh, just Bill. I love it. Come on, Jesus. Wait. Let me turn this off. All right. Hello, hello. Well, why don't you just light your hair on fire and give? Wahoo! Right? I always say this. Now, not literally, because I have to do it for, uh, you know, insurance purposes. But... uh, Tongues of fire. We're spirit-filled people, so listen to the Lord and whatever He says to give and do it. That's what we have to do with everything that we have. We have to be people of the Spirit, listen to the Spirit of God, especially with offerings, because some people can work and manipulate you and do all this stuff, but we need to give what God says. And so just, if you haven't thought about it or even asked, just ask. You know, because sometimes you got
Say to somebody, here, let me speak healing to your heart. Let me, let me speak healing to your soul. Okay? So what I want you to do is I want you to get the person right next to you first. And I want you to say to them, in their eyes, you're going to make it. Look at them in the eye. Somebody that hadn't gotten this yet, give it to them. You're going to make it. Come on. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. All right. Now, here. Go to somebody you don't know. 
Somebody you don't know, tell them you're going to make it. You're going to make it. Oh, all my heart, desire and I long to worship you. That's Joshua. And you, oh Lord, are our strength, our worship. breakfast for a while. He sold his company for a lot of money. Bought a bed and breakfast. But Les and Gail are two of Darlene and I's best friends today. I didn't like him. He didn't like me. But here we are, best friends today. So be encouraged. You may have a best friend in here you don't know about yet. Thank you guys for having me come All right, I need some help here. Would you like to help me?
this pull up through my shirt. Yeah, I'll be right there. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on a minute. You got it? Thank you very much.